From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. It is great to be back with you. Oh man, I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today. But first of all, I need to introduce several completely worthless servants. To my right, more worthless than anybody, AJ Fry. Hey guys. You're offended a little. I can yeah, see that. I'm going to leave now. Yeah. I shouldn't. The I person sh- not to offend. <laughs> He's recording us right now. So uh, so anyway. That's why Scott's voice is all mice, mousy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's going to edit me later. Um, and then to AJ's right. Also, I can't say my wife is worthless. She's worthless too. Emily Armstrong. <laughs> hey, everyone. <laughs> Natalie, Natalie Franco, excuse Hi. me. Across Hello. From <laughs> and Chelsea Fry. Fun facts with Chelsea. Fun fact. The hottest chili pepper in the world is so hot, it could kill you. Oh, oh really? Could kill you? The weapons grade dragon's breath <laughs> chili pepper wait what, what? Oh. that's that's its name yes weapons grade no it's, dragon's it is breath. a weapons grade chili oh. where where is it grown do you know uh why like, do you ask is questions it in labs <laughs> and i was gonna it's say is in it a secret government oh, facility is it a god-given thing or a no they made it it's a oh. Oh. it was initially developed to be used in medical treatment as an aesthetic that can numb the skin Wow. Yeah, completely. Not yeah. all of the skin. You're dead. You're dead. <laughs> You're never going to feel anything feel again. Exactly. <laughs> oh, but you can grow it in your garden if you would like to. Okay. Why would you want Why to grow you? it in your garden if you could die by eating it? It's, the, the fun fact says, so why make such an impractical pepper? <laughs> so question. It's the question we're all yes. asking ourselves. <laughs> Natalie, what's your answer? <laughs> oh, come on. Do you like spicy, Natalie? I like spicy. I want, but not that peppers. is spicy. Not that <laughs> spicy. It's no. spicy enough to kill you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't like that spicy either. I don't even think Freya would like that spicy, and she likes spicy stuff. Well, this is going to be a funny segue. Um, probably not Good as luck. funny as I want it to be. Good Let's get into the spicy topic. I was good. <laughs> you already knew. I knew this is going to be a little, a little spicy. So, <laughs> dad joke, exactly. I am a dad. I <laughs> try to tell you embrace that. I, I, yeah, I, embrace I have the card and I'm going to play it. Um, so, This episode, we are going to talk about the new missions paradigm in the Church of the Nazarene. Now, it's kind of funny that we're talking about this because this launched one year ago. One year ago, this launched. And you're like, why didn't you talk about it then? The answer is, frankly, we didn't understand it all uh, at that time completely. (laughs) We didn't understand really the implications. I mean, they have done, uh, you know, and I say they, the Church of the Nazarene has done an amazing job at sharing resources. In fact, I have a bunch right here and I'm going to hand you them. That We've got tiny cards. We've got uh, brochures. We've got booklets. You guys can have at it. Resources for everybody. And if (laughs) you get some resources. (laughs) (laughs) Go and Oprah on it. Thanks, Oprah. (laughs) Um, There's one that says, send me. I love that one because that's what we deal with, really people that have a call to missions and you know, and want to know how do I develop that call and things like that. But you can get all of these because right now we're looking at printed versions, but you can see all of the same stuff on nazarenemissions.org. 
Okay, NazareneMissions.org. There are tons of resources in six different languages, I think, five different languages. Four or five. Four or five different languages, yeah. So, But the three main languages of our region are provided. So English, French, and Spanish are already there. Yes. So use them. Yeah, and you can, I mean, download stuff. There are PowerPoints. There are other things. So go there. I mean... And I would say make sure you put the S on the end of NazareneMissions.org yes. because there is another website that does not have the S. And it's a fine website, but it's not ours. So just make sure you're educating <laughs> yeah. yourself on NazareneMissions with an S.org. That's true. Now I'm looking at stuff. <laughs> Nazarene Mission? Missions, Missions with an S. Right. But there's there's a website not through the Church of the Nazarene right. called Nazarene Mission. Yeah. And you can check it out. It's, it's a mission very nice. for people from Nazareth. <laughs> oh, Maybe. Yes. I can't remember, but I remember I mistyped it at one point in time and I was like, yes. oh, this is good to know. <laughs> yeah. And it's a different website. But yes. <laughs> the whole point of all of this is to say, we're not going to get in one episode uh, to everything, all the implications and everything. And we might actually highlight some stuff that perhaps wouldn't be focused on by somebody else. So, I mean, it's just from us kind of now knowing what the implications are for our region, that's what we're going to highlight and for even us as missionaries. So let's dive in a little bit. Uh, Emily, you and I have talked hours, literally hours about this uh, through the last year. Maybe we should start with the deployment types. Like even when we say deployment, what does that mean? Yeah, deployment is the way that we send a missionary. So what is the method that we're sending them? Um, And so the history of our church is that we've had multiple like categories of missionaries. Uh, Even in the years that we've been missionaries, there's been anything from an intern missionary to a regional missionary to a specialized assignment to a, it's got all of these like titles and nobody really knew what you were. And then you tried to explain it and it got confusing. Uh, So the church has simplified it and said that there are two deployment types. You will deploy as a sponsored missionary or you will deploy as a global missionary. Um, Both of them have certain aspects of fundraising that go with them. Um, A sponsored missionary stays within like their local network. So they're definitely working more on like a donor base of their local church, their district, trying to create some very specific donor partnerships to fund that deployment type. And then a global deployment is we also are working within creating network, but the network is extended to the World Evangelism Fund supplying basics like salary and medical insurance. Uh, So those are two different types of deployments, but they're both fulfilling the mission of the Church of the Nazarene. I feel like we need to back up. Natalie is the one in this room that is not a, a global missionary. And the fries, you guys have been a sponsored missionary before, but Natalie, there's some stuff that probably is not making sense. What questions do you have? Okay. In my mind, Mm -hmm. I thought there are like three types of Mm -hmm. (laughs) missionaries. Which which types? Okay. The sponsor one, the one you said, the global ones, but also the volunteers one. I don't know. I thought that. So I'm saying this because uh, I remember in January, I think the COM when yeah. we made it. Which some, in English is a CCO, a cross-cultural uh-huh. orientation. Uh, some friends from Puerto Rico, they came and one of them, he realized he had a calling to become missionary and he decided to go to Mexico in a, to a mission trip. And so he he was the one who who had all the resources, like he was the one who paid for everything, for his flight, for yeah. um, his stay in and everything. And he was called by the people who was living in Mexico, missionary. 
Um, but he was the one who paid for everything. So I thought he was a, a volunteer. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it is like that or. Yeah, thank you. Throughout the next 20 minutes, whenever you have a question like that, just let us know. So talk to us, Emily. Sponsored, volunteer, same? I think the church is still trying to find where some of those lines are. Mm -hmm. um, and I love the example that you used because somebody that is super short term and funding themselves almost exclusively, we want to create a volunteer category, okay. but not volunteer missionary. Okay. They're just volunteering, same as how you would volunteer for a cause. You might go to a food bank for a week or, you know, do something that you're volunteering. I've, I've done this on my own. But once we become the sponsored missionary category, it's that the local church is behind you. The district is behind you. We are sending you as a sponsored missionary. So anybody over 90 days of service mm -hmm. needs to fall into that sponsored missionary category. So underneath 90 days, you could still have volunteerism, but we're trying to move our vocabulary to say those are volunteers. Okay. They're just using their own time, their own resources, because they believe in something really good. But something over 90 days fits into the greater strategy of the church, and we want them to be sponsored missionaries. Does that uh, make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. So volunteers are not official, quote unquote, official missionaries through the church. Right. Not anymore, but that is a shift, yes. right? Because we did used to say volunteer missionaries. Okay. That is something we said. Mm -hmm. But this new program is saying we're not going to use the term volunteer missionary anymore. We're going to use the term sponsored missionary. And this gets to the support network. You had mentioned that yeah. phrase. So AJ and Chelsea, you were sponsored missionaries for three years. You did a great job raising funds, really raising support. I mean, there's even, <laughs> there's one one person that says, you don't raise funds, you raise friends, right? You <laughs> raise relationships, yeah. you know, and, <laughs> and supporters. And, and really, you guys did that to such a degree that you've been asked to kind of mentor some other people in that. Can you guys talk about maybe how you develop a support network? When we first started, we, it wasn't called you know, sponsored right. missionaries, um, but now it is. So mm -hmm. that, that would be our category that we were in. And that was- uh, It wouldn't be your category, it would be your deployment Our type. deployment. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. I, I, I actually think it's okay. Like if we're, mm -hmm. we're trying to change vocabulary. Sure. So that is, we as the church want to say, we have two deployment types. You deployed right. as a sponsored missionary. So that was our deployment type. And we did, we, we went to our local churches first on our district. Um, that was the Florida district when we were first sent. And we, there were a whole lot of rules that we couldn't do certain things. Like we couldn't go up to a church and say, hey, can we talk to your church and tell them we need to raise money for this? We had to be invited, and I believe that's still the case. Mm -hmm. We still have to be invited to a place. And I think I remember we couldn't like tell them an exact number. Like from the pulpit, we couldn't say, this is how much we're raising. Can you give to us? Mm -hmm. But basically, aside from like when we weren't speaking like from behind the pulpit on the stage or whatever, during giving a sermon, uh, we could say to the pastor or a group of people, this is our need. This is what we've got. Um, and how... 
can you help us with this? And so we went to a lot of places. Our, our first year, we went through 22 different states. We drove through, we drove through we did 22, not speak in 22 states. different states. And, and, wow. We had a yeah. Prius. It was economically. Very economically. <laughs> not sponsored, again. We do yeah. a lot of sponsorships on this yes. show. <laughs> Reach out to Prius. If you want to give me a Prius, awesome. Come on. So that's kind of how it worked at the beginning. We, uh, we were 100% uh, funded by personal donors. Yes. Um, whether that was a church or it was an individual. Yeah. Everything that we have now was because of those people. And and I would speak a little bit to the strategy behind like what we did to promote that. Um, it was, we focused more on meeting people and helping them see that it doesn't mean you have to give a thousand dollars to be a donor in the realm of missions. Um, it can be $1 a month and that is incredible $15 a month and so like helping people see their place in sending missionaries isn't just like prayer isn't just like patting them on the back when they show up at your church but also like participating in Mm -hmm. the mission of God Mm -hmm. can be through finances and just speaking pretty boldly about that aspect was a huge game changer in my opinion. Yeah. It it made a big difference in the way that people saw themselves in our call. Yeah. Um and and I think that that also trickled through the people that were like inviting us because a couple of times we were asked to come speak at churches because they had heard that we were talking about promoting greater world evangelism fund and also incorporating small pieces, if that makes sense. I think the one of the biggest pieces of advice that we received during that time, if you're one of those people that are fundraising for anything, really, uh, is a lot of times missionaries will focus on like the big churches, like go to these big churches and speak in front of the whole church. But what we found, what a piece of advice that we were giving that we found really helpful was to go to the smaller groups, um, like one or two people or, or a small group or a Bible study and talk to them one-on-one. And for us personally, uh, that's a lot easier for us to be more candid and to be um, more real, I guess, in those settings than it is from a big stage in front of hundreds or thousands of people. But that also grew our network. If we're right. talking about this new deployment type sponsored, they have to stay within their network. It that's how you create your network is word of mouth is by knowing somebody who knows somebody. And so like, it's the coffee dates with the church board president. It's the, mm. it's going to the Bible studies on a Tuesday night. It's, it's making the effort to like get into the small places. That's how we grew our network. So this is, some people may wonder like, why were there restrictions placed on you? You mentioned that earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I almost cut you off because I wanted to explain that a little bit. But, you know, basically this, everything that we are going to talk about and everything that has been rolled out is to help clarify for the average church member, ah, now I understand. Think about when we had five or six different deployment types, right? Mm -hmm. It really was getting confusing. And so now to just have sponsored missionaries and global missionaries and what can global missionaries do? What can sponsored missionaries do? It's 
the idea is that it would be much more helpful for the average person in our churches, right? So we need to move on. One of the biggest things I think, and this deals with the support network too, is that this is rolled out, I believe, to really revolutionize NMI, Nazarene Missions International. Now, in what ways? One thing that you already talked about was even with the support network. So NMI starts to be this, this, this voice to say, okay, now we understand there are these two different deployment types of missionaries. So how can we support both of them, right? We're going to support really through World Evangelism Fund, deputation, through some other ways, the global missionaries in a certain way. And also these sponsored missionaries, we're going to help to grow their support network. That's really important. NMI's role is not to say, you're a sponsored missionary, you cannot do this. And so we're going to put you in a straitjacket and we're going to just say, good luck. That's never, we need more missionaries. And we don't have all of the money in the world to just say, everyone's just going to, just going to get paid, right? So we need to help as NMI to help these sponsored missionaries to develop or to expand their support network. And NMI stands for Nazarene Missions International, yes. by the way. Yes, thank you That's for the, saying That's the, like the branch of our denomination. denomination that focuses specifically on missions. Right. So as we talk about NMI, thank you, AJ, Nazarene Missions International, really, and their role with sponsored missionaries, we need to kind of, uh, that probably raises some questions. I, I see your face, Natalie. Do you yes. have some questions? I have a lot of questions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of questions. I know nothing about this, but like it bring, it comes to my mind when you say it has, th there is a limit time. Um, is there any kind of contract for them, even though they're a sponsor? Do they have to like sign something or I don't know? Yeah, a sponsored missionary, because it's a part of the long-term mission of the church, we're asking a sponsored missionary to make a commitment. Okay. So if the commitment that you make is three months or six months or nine months or one year, yes, they do sign something that says, I agree to provide this type of service to the long-term mission of the church. Um, so there are agreements that are for sponsored missionaries, but the global missionary category would be somebody that says, I want to do this for a very long time okay. and not just three months, not just one year. Like Scott and I, when we got into it, we said, we want to retire from being missionaries. Like we want to do this for 40 years if God allows us to. That's what we want to do. Mm -hmm. And um, so that is, there's not even a contract for a global missionary anymore. We are just employees of the church. Okay. And so there is not a time limit, but the church kind of works on like a, a cycle or a rhythm of like two years. So like when two years comes up, they might start saying, you guys are still in this for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're still coming back. And yes, we're still coming back. But there might be some people that say, you know what, the Lord is moving us in seasons of ministry. And we feel like we've been here for 23 years and we're moving into something else or something, you know, so there is the opportunity to, to say, I'm done with this season of global service, but the church of the Nazarene would love to have global missionaries that are in it for years and years mm. and years that this becomes a career decision, not just a period of time. Does that make sense? Yeah, so. kind of. <laughs> a little bit, I know, <laughs> I know. So along those same lines, like why is there a limit of four years 
on the sponsored missionaries. So you're probably referring in, in a lot of the materials, it talks about a limit for sponsored missionaries that really the idea is that after four years, then they would no longer be serving as sponsored missionaries. We really wrestled with this. Emily and I were in a few of the meetings where we said, wait a second, if someone has a call to be a missionary is raising their own funds, why would we say you're done after four years? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that's a valid question. And this is actually, this, this has been put in place to help move our church to say, if someone is truly doing a great work and they are raising their own funds, why wouldn't we move them to that global status at okay. some point? Why wouldn't we say after four years, we need to make the change. We as a region or we as a church need to say, those people are doing so great. We don't want them to be 20 years having to raise their own funds, you know, as sponsored missionaries. We want them to be now in the global deployment type, right? And so that's what's behind it. Now, I we still wonder, we've been in meetings where as we've actually asked the question, so literally if there aren't funds to put that person on a global agreement, mm-hmm. but it's come to four years, would really the church just say no more? And I think our leaders, we have heard our leaders say, ah, I don't think we would be willing to do that. So this this is a goal. This is this is here. But even we have heard that there's even a little bit of flexibility on that because they just they want people to continue in missions. That's the whole purpose of it. So it's more of a goal for for the region or for the denomination to look at these people who are sponsored missionaries and and like evaluate their mm-hmm. service or their desire or their calling to keep going. Because mm-hmm. to me, so this is my small mind interpreting what I've been told, right? So like a sponsored missionary is someone that is maybe exploring a newer call to missions or like has been wrestling with it since teens or something, but but is their first step into missions, cross-cultural ministry. And then eventually we would want to move them into global if they have a lifelong call to missions. Mm. Um, but my, I guess my question that opens up from that is, there are some positions on the mission field that are like support positions sure. and aren't necessarily positions of the vision of the of the region or of the global church. And so if someone enters into that position as a sponsored missionary, kind of like us, um, the position on the seminary that we did was not something that the region was investing money into the position, right? If, if they come to their four years and they get moved to global, but still the region has said this project that you've been working in is not something we're willing to put money into, are they now commissioned and have to go anywhere the church says? Or are you, does that make sense? Like where does okay. commissioning come if into If they've responded it? to a very specific uh, place or, yeah. or project, that's, that's an interesting question. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that. Do you? Yeah. You can be a global missionary, but not a commissioned global missionary. Mm. So there are two different sides of that. So somebody that would say, my call is specifically to do this for 40 years, but to do this 
not to go anywhere that the church would ask me to go. Mm -hmm. That commissioning step means that you have testified that God has called me to cross-cultural mission, wherever that would take me, whatever the Church of the Nazarene says, my gifting and my graces could be used here, that I would seriously consider that and say yes. But there are some people that say, God's called me to this, and if the church wants me to do this, then we could create a global deployment assignment out of that. But for those that are being commissioned, they've testified to being willing to say yes to the church's direction of where we're trying to go as the Nazarene Church internationally. Mm-hmm. So that would so be So we would never find sponsored missionaries who are commissioned. No. Okay. We would find global missionaries that are commissioned, but we would also find global missionaries who are not commissioned. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I mean, this is a good conversation. Sponsored missionaries don't have to have necessarily the level of training as well. Um, it's not mm-hmm. saying that we'll, we won't give any training to those sponsored missionaries, but obviously to become a global missionary, it will it will mean more training in some ways, more investment uh, from the Church of the Nazarene in, in those people. Go ahead. I have Natalie. a question. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. That's what we're going to title this entire podcast. I have a question. I have a question. So, <laughs> Natalie has a question. Okay. So after a person being called like global or assigned as a global missionary, is it possible to to go back? Back to sponsored. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I don't know. Is there any following up? Like, do the region, I don't know, look at you and see your yeah. work? Yeah, I think I think that would be a possibility. I don't. I haven't seen that very often, uh, but but I could see that it, that it could be. You asked about follow up. The World Evangelism Fund, from a financial standpoint, really helps to fund all of our regional structure, helps to fund people that are in Lenexa, Kansas, in the Global Ministry Center that are assisting us as global missionaries with home assignment, with uh, schooling for our kids, uh, different issues like that, you know, even medical insurance and, and things like that. And so there is Really, in the Church of the Nazarene, there's a support system more than, I mean, I've studied a lot of other denominations. I would say more than any other denomination that I've seen, there's a support network and system that is in place because of what we believe in. So certainly the region and the and the Church of the Nazarene is in touch with any global or sponsored missionary to give them what we call member care, to, to help them in whatever they are, you know, they're dealing with while on the field. But I would even to answer your question, like I always put myself in there. I'm like, well, I'm a global missionary. Would I ever come to a place where I would want to be a sponsored missionary? There are positions all over the world that the Church of the Nazarene is looking for missionary personnel. And some of them are sponsored. And it could be that Scott and I get to the point when we're 55 or 60 and we've planted a church or we've planted three or four. And we're like, you know what? We want to go plant a church in Rome, Italy. And they're looking for somebody to do that as a missionary assignment, but it's a sponsored missionary assignment. It could be that we're like, God's calling us to say that we, this is what he wants us to do. And so maybe we would become sponsored missionaries, say we're done with what we're doing Mm -hmm. in this part. And we want to pursue this other assignment, but the assignment itself is a sponsored deployment, you know? So at that point in time, I don't think the church would look poorly on that. I Mm -hmm. think they'd be like, wow, that's very different. But I don't think they would look poorly on it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So with that, would you lose your commissioning? 
if you chose to go to Rome, Italy? Can you lose commission? No. <laughs> no, because once you're commissioned, you're commissioned. But yeah. even though you're dictating where you're going? At that point in time, you'd still have to apply for that position. Yeah. So if they were to say, I mean, and those are getting into the realms of like meta yeah. of all of this paradigm, <laughs> right? Yeah, of theory of the th of what it would be. But yeah, like you can, you could slide between categories. Hmm. I can see that happening of deployment. The last thing that I think we need to touch on is just the emphasis on every church giving 5.5% of all of their income, offerings, tithes, uh, etc., to the World Evangelism Fund. This has been in place for years. Uh, it used to be 10%, but it's 5.5% now. But the change that we're seeing in, in this new missions paradigm is that missionaries, missionaries both sponsored and global, need to have a church giving 5.5% mm -hmm. to be able to send those missionaries, right? So the idea behind this, this is another one that we've wrestled with as well. The, the idea behind this is the World Evangelism Fund is the key way, the foundational method that we have in the Church of the Nazarene for supporting the mission. Okay. It, it just is. And so we never want anything else to compete with that. We don't want, oh, I'm going to have my pet project or my singular missionary that I'm going to designate. I'm going to send Natalie, but I don't want to give to anybody else. I don't want to support the mission anywhere else. That uh, starts to become very problematic. You know, you start to get some that have, you know, lots of support and others that don't, but mm -hmm. why? Because they're not doing a good job? No, it might be because they're just, you know, they don't have as much of the network or as much of as many contacts as that other person. So, you know, I think that's really important. Now, in future episodes, I think we can talk through what the implications of that are. And our region really, you know, will struggle with that more than the USA and Canada. I'm not going to highlight, you know, we're, we all come from three different local churches here in this room. I think from the last assembly that I was at, that all three of our churches was giving 5.5% mm -hmm. to the World Evangelism Fund. So I'm seeing nods around and mm -hmm. that's awesome. But that is not the case for a lot of our, uh, our, our local churches. So we need to promote that. And in fact, whether we are sponsored or global missionaries, we need to all be promoters, cheerleaders, voices of the World Evangelism Fund. So I think that's, that's crucial. Now, my goodness. Um, <laughs> There's so much more. I am looking at this material right now and I'm like, oh, we didn't get to that. We didn't get to something else. Here's what we want to do. We want to invite you to go to our Facebook page, Worthless Servants Podcast. Go to that page. Put on there any questions you have. I suggest before maybe asking a question, just take 10 to 15 minutes and look through NazareneMissions.org. Look through because you might have your questions answered right there. But there still will be questions. Natalie is already writing and she's going to have 10 <laughs> questions on the Facebook page. Even right more. Yeah. And, and she's on the on the podcast. Good grief, you know. But go ahead and do that. And we're going to select those that, that uh, we think we need to answer. And in a future episode, maybe, in, you know, in a, in a month or two, uh, but we're going to answer those questions. Emily, how can they get a hold of us and do that? I already said the Facebook page, but any other contact information or things you would add? 
You can find any of these episodes online at www.mesoamericagenesis.org under the podcast tab. And just to give you the website again for looking at all of this information, um, which we highly encourage, there is an entire tab that's resources that you can download videos and posters and pamphlets. If you're trying to get information into your congregation's hands, it's all there and it's free and we want you to use it. It's Nazarene Missions with an S.org. Awesome. Good, good, good. Again, oh, I wish we could have touched on so much more. Uh, and even shared some stories and things. In these resources, there are testimonies. There are uh, even videos and things. So, oh man, it's so good. They've done such a great job. But for now, we need to get going. And so we are the Worthless Servants and I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm AJ Fry. I'm Emily Armstrong. I'm Natalie Franco. And I'm Chelsea Fry. We'll talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at mesoamericagenesis.org.